Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. felt like I was supposed to shout over to Leah, do a little Alicia Keys, we will rise up. <laughs> we will. We are rising up right now as we're celebrating this Easter message, that, this, that he is risen, risen indeed, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the grief, in spite of the, you know, the cross, which we've turned the cross kind of in this little symbol I wear around my neck, but... The cross was an electric chair. The cross was a, was, was a tool of, of capital punishment. And God took that and turned it into new life. And I want you to know there is new life that's happening right now. It's happening right in your living room. It's happening right where you're watching this together today. This is the new life of Easter. This is what burst on the scenes on that first Easter Sunday, and I'm so glad for that. Now, I'm going to speak a message today that I never dreamed. This is my 30th anniversary of preaching Easter every single Sunday for the last 30 years, three decades. I have gotten up on Easter Sunday and had the privilege, and it is a privilege, through the foolishness of our preaching, Paul said, to proclaim the good news of God. And who would have thought three decades ago that I would get up and preach to you a message entitled, ready? An Easter Toolkit for Surviving a Pandemic. Okay, come on. Some of you said, oh yeah, I heard that sermon 15 years ago. No, you didn't. Nobody's ever preached that. I never thought I would be speaking that. But what I thought this year was, instead of speaking to the masses, and we're so glad that so many of you are out here with us today, do you know that, that in our church attendance has grown by almost 300% since we moved online? That people are tuning in, and some of you are tuning in, 11 states, other places, what have you. But the point is, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a temptation to speak to the masses, and you want to shout this message that Christ is risen. But I want to say today, lean in, wherever you are, I want to speak to you. I want to speak one-on-one with you. And Pastor Terry told me earlier, it's like putting things in an Easter basket. Okay, I called it an Easter toolkit. But I want to drop some things into your lap today on this incredible Sunday that will help you survive this. Not only survive this, but thrive in your faith through this. Just a couple things I want to drop in, okay? Into your toolkit to help you 
Because here's the deal, friends. And I, you know, I'm no prophet. I don't, you know, sell holy water on the internet or whatever. But at the beginning of 2020, I said this was going to be a year of vision. And I stood in this pulpit and I said that the next 10 years were going to be the most important in the American church since the civil rights or at least maybe the Great Awakening. And look where we are. God is saying something so amazing to the church right now. And we're going to need you. Okay, we're going to need you. The, Jesus is going to need you. We were appointed for this time that we're going to need to speak to the world right now and beyond this. And so I need you to have some tools in your toolkit because of Easter to help you be prepared, not just to keep your faith, but to build your faith during this time. How many of you know, if you've flown on an airplane, and I know not, not many people are doing that, some of you may still have to, and I pray for you. How many of you know, before the plane takes off, what do they do? They get up and tell you, if there's a crisis, here's some things that have, you know, here's some tools that you have. Your seat cushion might be for flotation. You know, there's a, there's a, a life vest that you can blow up if there's a water landing. But all of you know that they say if the cabin pressure changes, what happens? Oxygen masks drop in front of you. And what do the stewardesses and the stewards always say? Put your oxygen mask on first. Even if you're traveling with a child, even if you want to help others, you're not going to do any good to anybody if you're passed out. So put your oxygen mask on. This is what I want you to do right now. I'm I'm following Mary Magdalene. You heard Pastor Terry read the story. We're going to follow her example and put our oxygen mask on as we're going through this crisis together. And so four things. Ready? I'm I'm going to run through them, and then I'll try to spend some time with them. One, you need extraordinary prayer. Two, you need a realistic resilience. Three, You need radical refocusing. And four, you need gospel resolve. You ready? Come on. Everybody say, ready, set, go. All right, I heard you. All right, here we're going to go. First, you need extraordinary prayer. You need to put your oxygen mask on and go into the chamber with God in prayer. Mary Magdalene, did you hear that? Early in the morning, while it was still dark, when she didn't understand everything. I've heard people emailing me saying, why is God letting this happen? While it's still dark, when we don't know, we go, right? We go to the tomb. That was an act of religious uh, tradition. She was going to anoint the body. She was just doing the best that she had at that moment. My pastor, who uh, kind of brought me you know, to ministry, not brought me to faith, but pushed me over the, over the walking the plank to go into ministry. He told me of a time in his life that was so dark that he didn't even know what to pray. Don't you like that Paul says in Romans, we don't even know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. 
and prays for us. And he said, Chip, when I was going through that time, you know the only thing I could pray was a prayer I had when I was like seven years old. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. When it was still dark, when Mary Magdalene was confused and hurting and she thought her world had come to an end, she went to the tomb. She got up and she went. Extraordinary prayer. Friends, I got to tell you, I got a call from a pastor in New York City this past week checking in on me. And he said to me, Chip, I want, I'm just seeing how you're doing. And he said, when he pastored through 911 in New York City, he got a call from a pastor in Oklahoma City who had called him because they went through a bombing in 1995 and said, look, he said, you're going through stuff right now. And if you're not careful, I told the staff that this week, if you're not careful, you're going to suck up all your emotional and spiritual capital. And in two years, you're going to be depressed and you're going to burn out. And he said, put your oxygen mask on, right? And that's what I want you guys to do today. Put your oxygen... Some of you are going 200%. You're worried about your family. You're calling people all the time. You're, uh, some of you are homeschooling your children, right? Something you didn't sign up for. And if you're not careful, you're going to use up all of your emotional and spiritual capital if you don't put your oxygen mask on. So go to God right now with extraordinary prayer with unusual prayer, with, the, with just going, even not knowing, right? The Hebrews said that Abraham went not knowing where he was going. Go to God with our questions, with our concerns. Go before the God that we know in prayer. Scrambling, looking, searching through the dark, right? And going to God. Um, here's something I want to tell you. Easter faith, ready? Easter faith is impossible without God's help. You can't just conjure up faith. Everybody says, oh, have faith. You can't conjure up faith. Look at this first Easter. Peter and John didn't have any faith. Mary Magdalene didn't have faith. I mean, they were trying, but they were stumbling through the dark. Jesus Christ had said in his life, he was going to be handed over to sinners. He was going to be crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, rise again. He said this over and over and over. In fact, Lamar Williamson, who's a great scholar on the Gospel of Mark, said, Jesus said it so many times, I'm going to die and raise again. I'm going to die and raise again. That it was like the tolling of a bell. But here it is, three days later. And Peter and John are asleep. They didn't get up like you did to go on online worship. They weren't expecting anything. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, kind of went through her, uh, you know, now I laid me down to sleep. But when the stone was rolled away, she said, oh, somebody must have stolen the body. They didn't have faith. But they went before God, and God is the one that brings faith to us. We, you know, when Paul said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight, you know, I finished the race, I kept my faith. It was only because he knew the power of prayer. In everything he said, 
I go before God with prayer and supplication. And the peace of God that passes all understanding guards my heart and mind. You read that in Philippians, right? And that word guard was like uh, the word, they, it was a military term, that there was a, like a, a legion out there guarding the city. See, we can't have Easter faith if we don't practice extraordinary prayer. Go before God. Go with what you got. It, it may be morsels, okay? It may be dark. We get it. But go before God in prayer. And let me, let me just give you an example. In Jesus' life, it was very interesting. I found the exact same words of Easter while it was still dark. Uh, you know, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Watch this one. In Mark 1, it says, In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon, Peter, and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said, everyone is searching for you. And he answered, let us go to the neighborhood, neighboring towns that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee proclaiming his message. Isn't that interesting? At that moment, Jesus was launching a ministry that would change the universe. The most important ministry that's ever been had. And the more popular he got, and the more demands that were on his life, the more he went to spend time with his Abba. Right? You need, if Jesus needed this, and we talked about last week, at Gethsemane, three times, what? He went to God in prayer. Let this cup pass. He was crying, but not my way, but your way. And, the, and Luke says God sent an angel to strengthen him. If Jesus needed to go to God in prayer, how much more do we? At this moment, spend time in extraordinary prayer. Because I'm going to leave you with this one. I won't be as long on the rest of the points. Extraordinary stress takes extraordinary prayer. Go before God like Mary Magdalene did. And the second thing I want to say to you is um, that we need to have a real... Here's the second tool. Put in your toolkit and your Easter basket. We need to have realistic resilience. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is the fact that I love when Mary says the other disciples, Peter and John, important guys, they went back home, but, somebody say that, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. I call that realistic resilience. You know, they went home, they didn't know what to do, but she said, you know what? I understand, she's crying, she's weeping, but I'm going to hang in there, trusting that God is going to do something out of this. See, that's what we need to have right now. Some people say, oh, just have faith. You know, it doesn't matter. Go gather in masses. You know, God will bless us. That's ridiculous. We need to have a realism. We understand that something is happening. Mary knew her heart was broken. She was weeping. But she had a resilience in it. And that's what we need to have. Pastor Kurt, our online pastor who's with many of you today, he shared a devotion for our staff this past week. And he was remembering um, a guy named James Stockdale. If you know that, he was a vice admiral, James Stockdale. He went through POW camps in Vietnam, was one of the few to survive. 
And Pastor Kurt, God bless you, Kurt, he told our staff we need to practice what was called the Stockdale Paradox. And what he learned being a POW was this. Ready? I'm going to read it. Number one, retain faith that you will prevail in the end. Right? Regardless of the difficulties, you will prevail. That's one. Two, confront the brutal facts of your current situation. Like at the same time, understand you're going to get through, but also don't minimize what you're going through. That's a realistic resilience. It's not just, oh, pie in the sky, by and by. I I love Paul's writing when he wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians, he said this, ready? But we have this treasure in jars of clay, right? We're human. We're broken. We leak, right? To show us what? The extraordinary power is from God and not from us. Watch this. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our holy body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed, right? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do you hear Paul's realistic resilience? Yeah, we're, 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 you know, we're broken down. We're, we're afflicted. We're perplexed. We don't understand the coronavirus, right? We're, we're struck down. That means Paul was knocked to the floor. But we're not crushed. We're not living, led to despair. We're not destroyed. That's a realistic resilience. And that's what Mary shows us at this moment. Hebrew 12, if you read uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, it quotes Proverbs 3 that says... When troubles come, don't make light of them. So anybody that's making light of these troubles, oh, you know, it's it's some conspiracy. That's ridiculous. Don't you dare do that. Not when people are losing their parents or their grandparents or their spouses. We should never make light of troubles. But it says don't make light of troubles, but don't faint under them. Don't lose hope. That's a realistic Resilience, right? So we're not going to stay where we're at. We understand it. We're struck down. We're on the floor. We're uncertain. But we fix our eyes on Easter, on what's eternal. You know, what, what, what can never pass away. And it, guess what? That helps us get up off the floor. It helps us begin to continue in our prayer. Right? I, that's why I told everybody, people have been asking me, what should I read in the Bible right now? Whatever you're reading, read the Psalms. You know why I say read the Psalms? The Psalms bring Bible study and prayer together. Because all of the Psalms, at some point, become a prayer. And a third of them are lamentations. Crying out, God, why? What is happening? But resilience, yet I will wait upon the Lord. Yet I will put my trust in in him. Do like Mary did. Everybody went home, but Mary stood 
and, and trust that God, you're going to do something new out of this. Okay? So extraordinary prayer, realistic resilience. Here's the third thing. Radical refocusing. Some of you are going to get so mad at me right now, and I already know it, because I need you to actually wipe your hard drive clean. Everything you've known up to this point, all of your old agendas, all of your old traditions, all of your old priorities, I need you to actually throw them out the window. And see, I told you I'd make you mad. Because at this moment, this is a time to radically refocus. Think about Mary. She went to the tomb. She didn't expect a resurrection. When she saw the stone rolled away, she thought somebody stole the body. There was no worldview for a resurrection in that day and age. The Greco-Roman world did not believe somebody could raise from the dead. The Jewish world, my my friends in the Jewish community to this day, don't believe in a bodily resurrection. But when Mary went and thought it was the gardener, but heard her name called, her whole worldview was reoriented. Everything was refocused. Her whole life was changed by the resurrection. Our world, our life has been kind of reoriented right now. And I need you to fall in place with that. To radically refocus. Now, you're fighting me on this. It's okay. But I want to give you a scripture. Second Chronicles uh, uh, was a time when David... Uh, was out a fugitive in the wilderness. Saul was the king. Everybody thought, Saul's the king. But people went out to join with David in the wilderness, even though he was a fugitive. And I like this one. In First Chronicles 12, it said, The men of Issachar, those who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, came to David to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, as the Lord had said. I love that because those who understood the times... The word there for times in the Hebrew literally means seasons. So for everything there is a season, right? They were understanding there's a new season here. That's what Mary Magdalene understood. God is doing something amazingly new. And they were open to it. They weren't hostage to the previous kingdom. They weren't hostage to their political opinions. They weren't hostage to their particular denomination. They weren't hostage to everything they knew. They said, God is doing a new thing. Do you sense it? That's what Isaiah said. Are you open to it? That God is bringing a new road. Now, friends, listen. That's what I mean about radical refocusing. Throw everything out. And you're going to say to me, well, Chip, well, guess what? This is a time of seasonal brainstorming. And while you're seasonal brainstorming, guess what? You may look back at things that you did in the past and say, I need to do more of that. Right? Those traditions, those priorities, they may come flashing back in in powerful ways. And you say, well, I kind of did it. I need to do more of that. I want you to do that. But you can't do it until you wipe everything clean and start over and brainstorm in this new Easter season. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and a whole new way of life was opened up to her. 
And I'm praying right now, as we're going through this together, a whole new way of life is being opened up to you. My wife has said over and over and over, God, she feels God saying, what do I have to do to get your attention? Radically refocus, okay? Do like the men of Issachar. Hey, we were in Saul's army. We, did, you know, we followed the Constitution. We followed the Bill of Rights. We did all these things. Ten Commandments, all that's out the window. And the only things we're hanging on are the things that Jesus told us to hang on. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. What did Micah say? Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with God. Go back to that. And then refocus and rethink. What do we need to do to be the people of God now? Okay. So those are the first three tools. Um, Extraordinary prayer. Realistic resilience. Radical refocusing. And only, hear me friends, only when you do those three can you do this fourth one. Gospel resolve. If you haven't done those three, this one will ground you into the dirt, right? So after extraordinary prayer, after you've uh, expressed to God and others how you're feeling, after uh, resilience, look at Mary doing all these things, right? Um, With resilience, fixing our eyes on Easter, and after rethinking everything, right? What, What should I be doing? Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. Can you then have gospel resolve? What do I mean by that? At some point after you've done that, you got to get up. You got to you got to act. You got to go out there with Easter faith in a Good Friday world. I love at some point, you know, we just got to summon up the courage to go out there with this belief of this Easter story. Look at Mary. You, Mary I, I, I preached this uh, preparing for the heritage service earlier, and Pastor Terry said to me, Mary was a boss. Actually, she didn't say that, but if I told you what she said, you might have to fire her. So I'm just going to clean it up. But Mary was, look at Mary. She leans in the tomb when, when the male disciples go home. She's a woman. She has no power. She leans in the tomb, and angels speak to her. And do you remember? They, they enter into a dialogue. Oh, woman, why are you weeping? Where, I don't know where they've taken my Lord. Do you know, I, I, it wasn't until this Sunday on this message that I realized every single time in the Bible when an angel shows up, everybody falls on their faith, you know, face and starts to shake. Remember the shepherds? When the angel showed up, they fell on their face. What does the angel say? Fear not. Nobody said fear not to Mary. She's the only one in the history of the Bible that the angels didn't have to say fear not because she was intent. She was resolved. She wanted to know where her Lord was. And I love it. It was kind of like whether she knew they were angels or she knew, didn't know, or maybe she didn't care. She's resolved. They have taken my Lord. And then Jesus shows up. She thinks he's the gardener, which might have been the grave robber. Remember when Jesus told the Good Samaritan parable? Said a man fell amongst robbers and was left half dead. Right? Here was a woman with no power, and she didn't care. She said, give him to me. She is resolved. And listen to me, friends. This has blessed my heart. For one moment, for one moment, Mary Magdalene 
was the entire church. She was the one giving this message. Jesus could have given it to Peter and John. He could have said, wait. She was the church. She was the one giving the message. He is risen to go give that to the world. And when she went back, did you hear what Pastor Terry read? She announced to the disciples. She could have written a note. She could have sent an email. Hey, Peter, James, John, you're the leaders, dude. No, she went and announced the good news of the gospel. Do you know how much resolve that took? Do you know how powerful she was? That's why they referred in the early church to Mary Magdalene as the apostle to the apostles. She went and proclaimed that good news. And she reminds me of another shero in the scriptures. You remember Esther? We started in 2019 with a sermon series on Esther. Do you remember Esther? Esther was the one who when Israel was in captivity, when they were in Babylon, they were under the Persians and after Babylon, and Esther was the queen in the foreign government as a Hebrew, and there was an edict that came out that all the Jews should be killed. And Mordecai, Esther's cousin, was out there, and he was emailing her, I'm trying to make this current, Texting her, trying to make it current. Anyhow, was sending word to her that, hey, you know, we're all going to die. You have an opportunity now to do something. And it said, Esther said, I can't do anything. If you go before the king, if you're not called, it's capital punishment. And watch these words from Esther 4. It said, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your families, your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather, you know, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. We will fast as you. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, Esther was like Mary Magdalene. At some point, she just got a resolve. She just said, you know what? Extraordinary prayer, prayer and fasting resilience, okay, I'm just, you know, a queen, but I'm going to go to the king. A radical refocusing, I know it's against the law, but I'm going to go. And then gospel resolve. Because I believe he is risen. Because I believe in Easter. I'm going to go. And God, if I perish, I perish. Right? And guess what? How can we do that? We keep our eyes on the true and better Esther, Jesus, who went before us. And he didn't say, hey, if I perish, I perish. He said, when I perish, I'll perish. He knew, if you heard last Sunday's sermon in Gethsemane, he knew what was coming before him. And he said, I'm willing to do that for them. And he went before the king and he made atonement for us. And because of what he did, Now the new life, the new power, the new resurrection that he procured, it falls on us.
Think about that as we go forward. Practice extraordinary prayer. Have a, a, a realistic resilience. Radically refocus. But get up and have a gospel resolve. I remember um, when my son Perry was 16 years old uh, in 2007. I had only been here about three years. And he had to have heart surgery. And they told us at the Cleveland Clinic, number one in heart all over the world, hey, it's kind of, it's not that big a deal. Well, let me tell you, when your 16-year-old has heart surgery as a parent, it's a really big deal. And Terry and I were sitting in there, and we were trying to be calm, but we were, you know, we were in crisis. And Pastor Terry, my best friend in ministry I've ever had, walked into that waiting room. And she went straight to Perry, and she laid her hands on his head. And she said, may the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead be upon you. And suddenly through that extraordinary prayer, I had realistic resilience. I had a radical refocusing. And my son went into that hospital room with a gospel fortitude. I'm praying for all of you today as we close. I want the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to be in your house, to be in your marriage, to be on you if you're all alone, to be out there that you might have this resolve. for. If he had that resolve for us, what resolve should we have for him? We're going to proclaim our faith in this song at the end. This is a creed. This is saying what we believe, and I want you to believe it too. Let's pray. Lord God, on this Easter Sunday, May the same power that rolled away the tomb, may that same power that made the earthquake, may that same power that showed us that death is just a door, may that same power be at work in us and through us. Because you're going to need us, Lord. And you need us now, and you'll need us more than ever. For whatever reason, Lord, my first sermon for the 2020 was, are you a fan or a follower? You don't need fans right now. You need followers who are going to stand up and say, he is risen, risen indeed. Let us go with that faith today, Lord. We pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Let all God's people in every household say, amen.